Good afternoon, it is 12 o'clock and welcome to the Money Web at Midday show. My name is Raik van Nikker, and this show is brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, Leaders in Business. Well, it's been a, an interesting day on, on world markets so far. Yesterday's news of an accelerated U.S. interest rate um, program and cycle uh, and uh, the ECB's announcement that it will start tapering its quantitative easing program has received a, a mixed response with lots of red and green on the screen. And uh, one of the red indicators is the RAND which continues its slide and is currently down around 5% since last week. And in a minute, I'll speak to Chantal Marks of F&B Wealth and Investments and to try and make sense of what is currently happening on the markets. But first, let's look at the major indicators. Uh, on the JSE, the all share is down nearly a third of a percent. Uh, resources down nearly 1%. Industrials uh, up 0.4%. The only um, indice in the green financials down 1.2%, while the gold index is also down half a percent. Uh, let's look at international markets. Uh, currently, the FTSE in London is down half a percent. The DAX is flat. The CIC 40 is uh, up 0.17%. Earlier in Southeast Asia, the Nikkei closed uh, up uh, half a percent higher. Shanghai was down 0.7%, as was the Hang Seng who dropped around 0.4%. Let's look at the currency market, the US dollar. Uh, the rand is currently trading at 13.40 against the dollar, uh, 17.77 against the pound, and 15.53 against the euro. The uh, uh, Bitcoin is currently trading at $6,580, uh, you know, slightly, uh, slightly higher and uh, stemming the slide of the past week. And in Rand, you'll pay 91,998 Rand for one Bitcoin. On the commodity market, gold is trading at $1,299, Brent crude at $75.38, platinum above $900 at $904.62. On the capital market, the R186 is currently trading at 8.96%, slightly weaker from yesterday. Uh, let's look at major moves on the JSE Anglo-Plat, up a nice 4.4%. Implats now uh, up 3.7%. SAPI 3.7% as well. Uh, Netcare, Netcare, AVI and AB InBev all rising by more than 2%. Uh, on the downside, uh, RCL down 8.6%. The JSE down 2.7%. Standard Bank, Netcore and Anglos also down slightly more than 2%. Chantal Marks of F&B Wealth and Investments uh, is on the line. Chantal, welcome to the show. Uh, what is your broad interpretation of this morning's uh, performance on, on the various markets following yesterday's big announcement from the Fed as well as the ECB? Yeah, I mean, so if if the Fed and the ECB are planning to to hike rates um, by more than expected or sooner rather than later, as is the case with with the ECB, it generally isn't good for emerging markets because ultimately investors search for um, good returns, but they look at it relative to the risk that they're taking. So if you can earn higher on a cash investment in the U.S., um, then you might not be as enticed to to take your capital to emerging markets. So that's kind of the response that we've been seeing um, into all emerging markets, South Africa being one of them, and unfortunately, most liquid. 
Well, the rand is uh, seeing, experiencing some downside. Uh, currently trading at thirteen rand forty against the dollar, um, but it's uh, down five percent since last week Wednesday when it traded at twelve seventy two, and that seems uh, actually a much uh, you know uh, you know months uh, in in the past where we actually saw a sub thirteen rand. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that happened over the last week or so. I mean, we did have that very disappointing uh, GDP print. We had very weak uh, business confidence numbers coming out. And, and remember, it also came off a relatively high base because after the December elective conference, the RAND actually rallied quite significantly. Um, and it seemed as if the market was a little bit more euphoric um, than it should have been because it takes a little bit longer to bring about real change in an economy and to, to turn around um, a structural decline in growth um, in a few months. So uh, perhaps the, the RAND just just tracking back a little bit because of that, but then combined with with a lot of risk or sentiment in the in the in the global market generally, um, kind of just just lagging in line with the rest of of emerging markets. Um, we don't have nearly the the level of issues that we you'll find in in the likes of Turkey, Argentina, and Brazil. Um, but unfortunately, we are lumped into that to that category. Um, we did have a disappointing GDP print, and we are very liquid, which means if if investors are looking for an emerging market to sell as a proxy for their feelings around emerging markets generally, they tend to look at South Africa. Mm. Um, locally, we are back in a load shedding phase. Eskom last night implemented some load shedding. Um, I don't know how widespread it was, but uh, it is expected to continue as long as the strike continues. And uh, again, that's not good for the uh, economy and uh, that's not good for South African-focused stocks. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think it's just important to to recognize that there's a very big difference between what load shedding was like a few years ago and what this pertains to. So this is specifically, um, it, it's kind of a, a, an event that, that happened. It's the strike event and it's a sabotage story. Um, four years ago, we literally did not have uh, the capacity to actually generate enough electricity to meet demand. So thankfully, if the strike is resolved, we should see a return to normal conditions in, in, the, in the grid. Um, and it's not something, uh, it's not a situation where it's going to be three, four, five, six months or waiting for Madupi to come online. Um, so, so at least there's that. But certainly, um, it does hamper um, the ability of businesses to do business. Um, and it is, um, at, at the very least, uh, a massive irritation. Well, it could be protracted because Eskom is offering 0% and uh, mm. obviously cognizant of rising costs. And then the um, unions demand 15%. And those uh, those two parties are miles apart uh, I can't think that 0% will prevail and I can't also see 15% prevail and the, the midway point of 7.5% seems to be a, a challenge. Um, so, you know, if we have a protracted strike, it can be really hurtful to several sectors. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. At least it's already at the CCMA. So arbitration is already taking place between these two parties. Um, we must just cross our fingers and hope that it gets resolved as soon as possible. Mm. I don't think ESCOM's going to get away with a 0% increase, and I, and I also don't think that the union's going to get their 15. Um, I think it should be somewhere around inflation. And then what ESCOM needs to do is they really need to look at their headcount. They're probably going to have to implement a hiring freeze. Um, it's, a, it's a very chunky labor force that they have. 
Um, and I mean, we've, we've heard that electricity generation hasn't increased over the last 10 years, but their workforce has increased by 33%. So, so something's got to give. Um, and I think it's probably going to be headcount uh, rather than the 0% increase. You know, like what is happening at the SAA, unfortunately, uh, I don't think uh, significant job cuts will exp- you know, will take place at the parastatals. But Chantel, um, not a lot of corporate news out today, but Steinhoff announced that it sold its um, uh, Austri- Austrian business Kika Liner to a privately owned um, real estate company, Signa. And uh, they sold the properties, and then there were about 70 retail outlets, uh, you know, housed in those properties, which the which Signa will get virtually for free. Um, and it's part of probably part of the imminent Steiner fire sale. Yeah, see, I think that what, what's happened here is that, that Steinhoff has kind of been forced into a corner with Tika Liner because it's not profitable. Um, and if your business isn't profitable and it can't stand on its own two feet, it's very dependent on the holding company. Tika Liner was struggling to get finance to actually um, to, to finance their own working capital. They couldn't do it. Um, that, was completely a, that was a completely different situation for Mattress Firm and Poundland and some of their other assets across the world. So because Steinhoff was in this liquidity crunch, they were no longer able to help our Kika liner, and suppliers no longer wanted to supply the company because their uh, credit insurance uh, or credit insurers decided that they're not going to cover um, the, the supply into, into Kika liner anymore. So really backed into a corner, I think this is probably the only thing that they could do, um, at least raise some cash from the properties and, and try and... Um, and try and stay afloat because at this point in time for Steinhoff, it seems as if it's more a solvency issue than anything else. Yeah. They, in 2013, they paid 375 million euros in, in uh, equity for the, for the business. Um, and they apparently, according to Austrian newspapers, will receive around 500 million euro for it back. So it doesn't seem to be really a that bad a deal. But then coronation fund managers who has exposure to or had exposure to the tune of around three and a half billion to Steinhoff sent a letter to some clients in which it says investors have very little chance of recouping their losses. Um, and, and it's probably a very honest opinion and most probably true. Yeah, I think that I think that what's happened at, at Coronation is that they kind of gave the, the board the benefit of the doubt for a very long time. Um, but what, what what's happened now is that it, the, the share has become almost uninvestable because we really don't know what's going on. We don't have any view of the financial statement, so we don't know what the net asset position is. And I'm, I'm saying we as I'm talking about the industry as a collective. Um, we don't know what the cash flows are going to to look like, whether or whether what we've seen in the past is actually a true reflection of of what those businesses can generate, um, and we definitely don't know what earnings is going to look like. So, it it really is uninvestable at the moment, and I think it's it's better to prepare investors that um, around that um, than to to try and keep up uh, a brave face because if Steinhoff is going ahead and selling assets to stay afloat, and that is kind of an early warning sign for for what could be a tragic end uh, for that company. But there seems to be still a lot of trading taking place in Steiner. Volumes uh, are up. I'm sure the the share price is low, but uh, it maybe if it's become a purely speculative stock at the moment because there are 
a lot of uh, news, uh, regular news, which could uh, move the share significantly in the short term. Yeah, I think a lot of guys are taking chances. Um, I think a, a lot of people, um, are, it, they, they really are using it as a gamble at this point in time because I, I honestly think that the, out, the outcome is binary. Um, I don't think that you can put any odds on whether or not Spinal is going to survive um, or, or not, for that matter. Um, but yeah, certainly I think there's also opportunity and volatility in that share price, as you mentioned. Because the share price is so low and the volumes are so high, you can see quite significant jumps day to day. So perhaps even an element of day trading involved. Mm. Speaking of day trading or short-term trading, uh, Bitcoin uh, saw a plunge of around 18% this week. Um, it is uh, raised its head slightly uh, today. You know, I like Bitcoin. I like the volatility of it. I think it's a, a nice derivative uh, for people with uh, a strong stomach. What, what, is, what are your views on Bitcoin and, and the way that is ac- actually playing out this, this year? Because it hit a new record low for the year earlier in the week. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, cryptos tend to trade as a as a basket. But I'd I'd want to look at cryptocurrencies individually and on their own merits because ultimately, this the the, the price of a, a specific crypto um, is a reflection of the value of the underlying technology of that of that cryptocurrency. So, I mean, personally, I I quite like um, Ethereum um, because I like the idea of of the blockchain for blockchain. And with Bitcoin, um, I'm not 100% convinced that it's ever going to be a method of payment. Um, I think it's been a proxy for blockchain technology. Um, But, yeah, I'm not not 100% on board with Bitcoin, but certainly a good opportunity to trade. And, I mean, if you are interested in in cryptocurrencies, I think think the, the, the kind of golden rule is just to not bet the house on it. So in your diversified portfolio, allocate um, maybe a, a couple of percent to, to cryptos and don't just be in one cryptocurrency. So don't don't uh, put your entire allocation towards cryptos into Bitcoin and perhaps look at buying a few others and, and read up on it. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's important to understand what you are actually busy with. Yeah, there are currently 1,628 official cryptocurrencies uh, in a very interesting market indeed especially if you need to analyze all of them but uh, thanks Chantel that was Chantel Marks of F&B Wealth and Investments uh, we uh, unfortunately uh, this is where we have to halt this is all we have time for and this show was brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants leaders in business numbers rule the world inflation interest rates petrol price And when numbers change, you need to know how to respond, especially when it comes to business. Partner with a chartered accountant and get far more than a numbers person. A CASA is equipped with holistic business acumen and decision-making expertise when evaluating your business's future growth. Partner with a responsible leader in business. Partner with a CASA today. Go to saiga.co.za. And that's it from, uh, from the MoneyWeb studio. Thank you for tuning in. 